The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. Good morning, church. I am so excited to be here this morning. First, giving honor to God, who is the head of my life. Um, I'm so excited. I'm just excited. Um, To Pastor Matt and his family in their absence. Um, You guys have an amazing leader. Matt is an awesome man of God. Um, I get the pleasure of meeting with him monthly. monthly, And uh, each time that I meet with him is just, uh, you know how you have that one person that you, you know, you're just getting to know them, and then you find out, man, this guy is great. And it's it's like each time you meet them and each time you meet with them, you find out, man, that this guy is the real deal. That's how I feel each time I meet with Matt. It's like, man, uh, you're just a genuine guy. So I'm honored to be here um, with you all this morning. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, I want to get into it. I want to honor my wife, my beautiful wife, Shana. Okay, when we stand up and say hello, babe. <laughs> She's shy. She doesn't like to talk, and my kids as well. Um, now, before, before we get into the word, um, I like to do a simple exercise. And now a little birdie named Matt told me, that this church is a Red Sox church. <laughs> is that true? I only, see, I only see one amen, so I don't know if that's true. So uh, now, is this, uh, how many Angels fans we have? Yeah. All right, I want you to come down to the altar so I can pray for you. All right. <laughs> I'm a Dodgers fan, so Dodgers fans in the house know? All right, me and you, we're the only ones going to heaven this morning. I see, clearly. Uh, any Lakers fans? Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm not a Laker fan either, so I'm in the right place, I guess. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so awesome. But I, I want to do a quick exercise because uh, many times we find that our passions in life are placed in the wrong areas. For me as an avid, uh, if, for those of you who didn't recognize, I'm about 6'7". So you'd be right if you guessed somewhere in my life I might have participated in some sports. So, uh, but for me as an avid sports fan, I find myself getting very excited. And each time that I play sports, um, I'm, I'm hype. I'm, 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 I love the thrill of the game, whether it be basketball, whether it be football, whether it be baseball. And for me, my challenge is to make sure that my passion for sports doesn't outweigh my passion for Christ. So each time I come into the house of God, I like to do kind of like a hoorah, like a cheer, like a charge, understanding that... Uh, well, I can't say Lakers, even though I'm a, a Dodgers fan. When I go to Dodger Stadium, uh, my son and I went to uh, the playoff series that I don't want to talk too much about. Uh, but we went to the game, and it was an exciting time, and we, you know, we almost won that game. And so it was just everybody was cheering, and we were up, and we were excited. And I just thought about it. I said, man, I can't give more excitement here than I do when I'm in the house of God. So if you don't mind, if you can stand real quick, and we're just going to give a quick cheer. One of my favorite hymns that I like to sing is actually a Christmas song. And so now I can get away with it because we're still in Christmas season. And it simply says, Oh, come, let us adore it. Would you guys sing it with me? Is that all right? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ. The Lord. Now let's give it up for Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. 
who is different from the Lakers, the Angels, the Dodgers, because he never disappoints because he never loses. All right, you may be seated. Let's get into the word. Um, I, I mentioned the Lakers, but I'm an, an avid Clippers fan. That's weird. I'm, all right, there we are. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I think it is? I think I'm a Clippers and Dodgers fan because I'm just, I'm a fan of the underdog. Okay, so I like, uh, you know, and what, what was different a few years ago is that being a Clipper fan, we knew that we were going to lose always. So there was never any anxiety. There was never any, you know, so when we won, it was expected for us to lose. So when we won, it was like that was a plus. So it was like, yeah, all right, awesome. But, you know, as a Laker fan, I see Laker fans and they're stressing out. And I had a friend who literally the last, I think it was, I'm not sure when, but they lost the championship series. My friend went into a mild depression for about two and a half months over the Lakers losing the championship. And I, I thought he was kidding at first, and I said, man, I really got to pray for this brother, because he is <laughs> over the Lakers. But, you know, uh, we find in our text today that just like uh, being a fan of a sports team, um, there is also, um, in the, within this passage, a group of people who found themselves in a high-anxiety situation. Um, and I know a whole lot about high-anxiety, especially in the season that we're in, because Christmas is, it's weird. Christmas is the, the, the greatest season ever that you look forward to. But at the same time, there can be some challenges that we face during Christmas season. Am I right? Okay, I'll, I'll uh, unpack it a little bit more. Um, and I'll be careful as I'm saying this. Christmas is the time that you get to spend with family. <laughs> but it's also the time that you get to spend with family. You know, there's always that one family member that you look forward to seeing that you don't get to talk to every day. You're just excited. Every time you get to see them, it's like, oh, man, I remember how, you know, it's one of my cousins. We, you know, we were always best friends when we grew up. And every time I see him, I'm excited. But then there's another cousin that is like, I'm praying for you. Like every time you see them, you, you always feel like, uh, like, all right, help me here, God. You got to walk with me, Jesus, because there's. They're not, I'm not sure if we would be friends if we weren't family. And Christmas always is that time where we come together. And so we're, I'm forced into a space where during Christmas season I might experience some contrary winds. And we find in our text today that there was another group of people, namely Jesus' helpers, his disciples, that experienced some contrary winds. I'll start, uh, I want to reread the verse, I'll start at verse 45 in Mark chapter 6. It says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. I'm reading from the King James Version. And to go to the other side unto Bethsaida, while he sent the people away. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch, around 3 a.m., he came unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed that it was a spirit, and they cried out. For, for, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, 
and wonder, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Just like the disciples, we experience contrary winds during various seasons in our lives. I want to unpack the first part of this simple passage and really figure out what was going on with the disciples during that time. Uh, what I like to do is, before I preach a sermon, sometimes I'll, I'll uh, use this sermon as my children's bedtime story to kind of, you know, help work through it, right? Because if, if I can't preach to my kids, they don't understand it, then I don't think anybody else can understand it. And so last night, I'm just talking with my kids and kind of just going through it with them. And my son, Jai, he said, you know, he's my middle child. He said, yeah, Dad, I, I understand what you're saying. It's kind of like on Ninja Turtles. How, how Shredder and, and uh, the other guys and how they, they tried to fight against them and all these troubles. And I'm, I'm there with them like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I think you're getting what I'm saying and we're going there. So, uh, but just like, just like the disciples, we experience a lot of contrary winds and we experience a lot of issues. What are some of the issues that we experience during uh, the holiday season? What are some of the contrary winds? One, abandonment. How many of us... Uh, sad to say, we might have loved ones who have went on. And the holiday season always reminds us of those precious times that we spent with that loved one. It's a tough time. It's a tough reality. Another issue that we face uh, during this season is fear. We're afraid. We're afraid that we don't have enough money for gifts. We're afraid that that one cousin that we're always praying for, we're going to have that interaction that's going to make it rough for us the rest of the season and probably ruin it then we also recognize that the holidays, there's something about the holidays where sometimes people tend to lose control of themselves. They don't always exercise self-control, whether it be through too many drinks, whether it be through uh, too much spending of money, uh, too much frivolous living. Just like the disciples experienced contrary winds, we experienced those contrary winds. And the reason we found in our text that we experience these issues and that we have these problems and that we deal with these things is because like the disciples, we don't consider the lesson of the loaves and we forget the lesson of the loaves. So for this morning, I want to put a little focus and attention on the lesson of the loaves. So I'm going to go back in our text to verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. And I'll start there, and it says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And just to give a little backstory to this, so basically what had happened, Jesus, uh, in the beginning of his ministry, you know, started performing miracles, and he had a group of people who wanted to join him, and, wanted, and they forsake all, and they, 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 they follow Christ, and... and <laughs> When I got to this part of explaining it to my kids, my, my son Jai again said, yeah, just like on Ninja Turtles. He said the scene where when they were in the underground and all the kids left their parents and they went to follow a Shredder and they went to be a part of his army. And I told him, I said, yeah, but it's that kind of way we're going because Shredder is not the good guy, okay? Shredder is the bad guy. Jesus is different from Shredder, okay? So ho- hopefully that point came across. But at, at this point, the disciples are explaining to Jesus what had just happened, what had just occurred. Jesus had empowered the disciples to go and to cast out spirits and to teach what all that he had taught them. And so the disciples, they got an opportunity to go out on their own. 
They got an opportunity to go and preach, to go and teach, and they scattered about the various regions, and they did it. And at this time, they came back together, and they explained to Jesus all what had happened, verbatim, like, this is what happened, Jesus. This is what we did. And so they came back together, and verse 32 said, and he said unto them, come ye, self, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. So Jesus, recognizing that his disciples had been working in the field, they had done all this, uh, these great things, and they were given testimony, Jesus said, you know what? Now it's time for us to rest. Now it's time for us to, to relax a little bit. And I want to stop right here and pause and recognize that we as believers, during this holiday season, with all the anxiousness and the, the, the consumerism and all of the... the uh, the things that would cause us to be busy during the season, let's not forget to rest. Let's not forget to take this time to relax. Jesus calls us to relax. Jesus, the, the, the great Messiah, the Savior of the world, took this time and told his disciples, now let's rest. Let's keep reading. In verse 32, and they departed into a desert place uh, by ship privately. And, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. Verse 34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. I'll give you my first point for this morning. We as believers... As, as, as we're reminded uh, from the disciples who experienced the contrary winds and didn't know how to deal with them because they were anxious and had all, all sorts of issues going on because they didn't forget or they forgot the lesson of the lows. The first point in the lessons of the lows that Jesus is teaching is for us to be compassionate. The disciples, they went out and they were doing all these great wonderful works in the name of Jesus came back and told them and reported. And Jesus felt that it's time for the disciples to rest. And so he called them to rest, and so they go on the ship, and they go away to a desert place that there's nobody there. People see them going. They follow them. They're chasing after them. And Jesus saw the people chasing after them. And he felt compassion toward them. He said, we can't rest at this moment because these are people. These are sheep without a shepherd. People of God, we must recognize during this season of contrary winds, we have to have compassion for all people, especially those who we might see and say, you know what, that's a sheep without a shepherd. What do I mean by that? That one cousin that I keep referring to, <laughs> I have to have compassion in my heart for them. Yeah, I know Uncle Bob, hopefully Uncle Bob isn't here this morning. Yeah, I know Uncle Bob might have too much eggnog. And when Uncle Bob gets too much eggnog, Uncle Bob says some things that definitely might cause some strife and might cause some relationships to be broken. But my response can't be anger. I can't be mad and want to write off Uncle Bob. I have to say, you know what? Uncle Bob is a sheep, but not a shepherd. Jesus calls us to compassion. Let's move on. Uh, verse 36 uh, well, 35, and when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place. There's nothing here. There's no Taco Bell. There's no McDonald's. People can't buy any food. 
and the time is past. Send them away that they may go into the country roundabout and into the villages and buy themselves food, for they have nothing to eat. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Well, give them food. And they say unto him, they said unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Jesus said unto them, What do we have now? What do we have now? And when they knew, they said, We have five and two fishes. We have two fish and five loaves of bread. I'm going to skip down to 41. And when he had taken the, the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And, two fishes divi- and, and, and the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. The first point was Jesus calls us to compassion. Second point, simple. Jesus wants us to recognize in this lesson of the loaves his power. His power. One of the challenges that I have as a, as a young father, I have uh, three beautiful children. My daughter, Jay, is six years old. Uh, my son, Jai, is four years old. And my son, my youngest baby boy, Jaron, is, I want to say, one going on 39 because he's just a, he has an old spirit. He already knows what he wants in life, and he's just determined. Um, but he'll be two on New Year's. And it's because of Jaron, I can say proudly, that I know about 40% of the Frozen soundtrack. Because each time we get in the car, he can barely speak. He says, Daddy, let it go. Daddy, let it go. Daddy, let it go. And he's letting me know that he wants me to put the Frozen soundtrack on. But as a young father, I, found my, I find myself often in a space where my... my uh, my bank account doesn't add up to my kids' wants and desires. And my kids might be different from everyone else's. My kids are the kids that every commercial that comes on with Nick, they want every single item. It's not like, no, I like this, and I don't like, no, every, no matter what it is, Daddy, can you get that for me? Daddy, this is what I want. Daddy, this is what I need. And my kids now they are to the point where they recognize seasons. So my, they're always saying, okay, well, my birthday is, is six months away, but it's Christmas now, Daddy. It's a Valentine's Day is coming up, Daddy, and you can't just get mommy gifts. You have to give me gifts too, okay, Daddy? So I find myself in this space where my, my income or my, my money doesn't match their desire for gifts. And so if I'm not careful, I can find myself in a space where I'm stressing because I feel that I'm not meeting the needs of my child. What am I saying? I'm saying we have to recognize, and Jesus is calling us to recognize his power through this passage and this lesson of the loaves. What happened? Jesus only had two fish and five loaves of bread, and he took those simple two fish and five loaves of bread and fed up to almost 8,000 people the power of Christ. Now, what happened in my life is this simple understanding. And, and for the sake of this sermon, I'll use, I only have $100, say. I have $100 to spend on gifts for three children who want every single thing that comes on a commercial on Nickelodeon. Well, Jesus worked in my life where he showed me, James, you take your $100, and instead of just giving your kids gifts, why don't you take your kids to the park? Go play with them in the park. Because what they really want is they want daddy's love. They don't want the gifts because the gifts will fade away. On Christmas Day, my wife and I, we saw this. We, we, uh, we, we were blessed because we had so many people give our kids gifts, and, and they just got gifts. And I'm, 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 I'm 
kind of a, a OCD a little bit. I'm a neat freak. And I, so after my kids are playing, you know, they open up their presents, I have them put the wrapping paper here. I have each organized their toys, okay, right? End of Christmas Day, this toy is over here. This piece is over here. I'm stepping on toy pieces. I'm like, what is this? This recognizing that they, they really don't care about the toys. It's really not about the toys. What they're more excited about is when daddy spends time with them, is when daddy hangs out with them. And you know what that is? That's me displaying power. That's me displaying the power of love towards my kids, just like in a relationship with my spouse and with others. With my Uncle Bob and with that cousin, I have to, Christ is calling me in the lessons of the load to power, to display the power of love. Let's move on to the next point. And they did all eat and were filled. Verse 43 says this, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. This is my last point. Jesus calls us to compassion. He calls us to recognize and to display his power. And the third thing, he calls us to understand and recognize in the lessons of the load, his provision. One of the, uh, there's, uh, there's so many different studies on the effects of the holiday season and what it does on the personal psyche of a person, depending on, you know, the various levels of income and, and where they stand. Uh, one, of the, one of the studies show that if you aren't at a certain financial bracket, that you can feel the pressures of not meeting certain needs for certain individuals based on your income, Right? Send all that to say, if you can't buy all the gifts in the world, somehow that's related to some form of slight depression that happens during the holiday season because you can't get your child that gift that you want to gift. You can't get that loved one that you really love that gift that you want. In this passage, Jesus is telling us simply, recognize my ability to provide. Recognize my ability to provide. What is he providing? He took two fish and five loads. And, he, and, and this is what's interesting about this. Two fish and five loaves. And you figure uh, it's late in the day. You know, uh, Jesus is about to send the crowd away. You know, he might just give them a simple hors d'oeuvre or, you know, just a light snack, something to tie them over until they go home. But we see here in verse 43 that they were all filled. So Jesus basically created a buffet. Created this buffet for them. And not only that, but the next verse says that they had more left over. They have fragments left over. In this holiday season, Jesus is calling us to have compassion, to display his power, and to recognize his provision. What does it look like for me in my life? Um, and I'm, I'm very transparent. Um, I, I remember a time where my wife and I, we, had just, we were preparing to, to relocate from Los Angeles to Atlanta, Georgia. We were part of a church plant. Um, and it was just a, it was a difficult season in life. Because God was answering our prayers. <laughs> and I'll say it this way. Uh, so we prayed because we were, we were transferring to Atlanta. We didn't have any strong leads as far as job. I was working here in Los Angeles. And we were praying, Lord, you know, just make a way for us to, you know, join the church plan and to move to Atlanta. And I ended up getting laid off on my job. And I told God, wait. I, I didn't say lay me off. I just said make a way, God. And so at this time, you know, we're about maybe three or four months out from moving to Atlanta, and we end up, the car that we had, we end up selling it, and we 
purchase a lesser car or a cheaper car so that we can travel. So the day that we purchased the car, roughly around that time, the car ended up getting stolen. Right. And so at this point, I hadn't even, I mean, we hadn't even had an opportunity to transfer it on our insurance. And, you know, we were waiting on the DMV to get it back. So it was just all kind of issues surrounding that. So I find myself without a car, without a job, with a family, young family, um, moving to another state. And so you can imagine, I was so excited. (laughs) I was happy. I said, yes, Lord, you are moving in our lives. No, I was the complete opposite. I was looking for Uncle Bob because I wanted some of his eggnog. No, I was in a space where I was just like, okay, God, I don't know. I'm still kind of trusting you. And so what I did, you know, what every good Christian would do, I I turned up my Christianity. I started reading my Bible more. I started praying more. I, you know, started just even trying to carry myself in a different way until this one particular event happened that that radically changed my life. I walked to the bus. I I don't know where I was headed, but I ended up taking uh, taking the bus, and I had my Bible handy, and so I walk, I get on the bus, I sit down on the bus, and I'm just praying and talking to God and reading the scripture, and all of a sudden, I, I, the, the Spirit of God tells me, close your Bible, and, I, and at this point, I'm like, wait, I'm not sure if that's God telling me to close the Bible, that seems counterproductive, but he, I close my Bible anyway, and he says, now look up, and I look up, and he tells me, he says, look at all these people that I've blessed you to be around that you're not paying attention to. Look at all the people that I've placed directly. And then he reminded me of the prayer that I prayed, that, Lord, you know, we want to, one, we want to be in a space where we can move to Atlanta and with the church plant, and we want to be used of you. And he gave me that opportunity. He gave me that opportunity. And he told, and, and I'll use, this might be a little harsh, but I'll, I'll say it in my language. He, he basically told me, you know, you, you to, you have your, you're too busy with your nose stuck in your Bible to where you can't see where I'm moving and where I'm working. He called me and he said, James, I didn't call you to just do that, but I called you to people. And so as I, as I looked and I saw, then I started to just talk with people, just strike up conversation and, and, you know, and allow the joy of my salvation and the joy of knowing Christ to overflow into others. And what happens after that? So after that, uh, maybe a couple weeks later, our landlord comes and says, hey, you know, I know you guys are going to be moving in a little bit. I know there's been a change in the job. And, you know, although you've been consistent, you know, with your rent, I notice and I see you walking every day. So what I want to do is this. Because, you know, the state of California doesn't allow me to just outright give it to you, I need a dollar from you. And I say, huh? He said, I need a dollar from you. And, I'm, you know, at first I'm like, man, you, you know I don't have a job and I'm barely making rent. Now you want to take some more? You want to tax? add my rent up to a dollar? He says, no, just give me a dollar, James. And so I give him a dollar. And he points to a, a, a clean working automobile and says, hey, that's yours now. You just bought it for a dollar. So clearly, at this point, this is where it all makes sense. And I just say, ah, oh, God, I see what you're doing right there. You're providing. It's your provision. Your provision. And this lesson of the loaves, as God calls us to understand and recognize compassion. Be compassionate. Have compassion. Have compassion for Uncle Bob and for that cousin or for that person who might be driving on the 405 and, and doesn't recognize that it's okay The food place is not going to move away. You don't have to rush. You can get there on time. 
recognize the power of Christ. The power of Christ. He's able to take dead things and make them alive. He's able to mend broken hearts. He's able to restore broken relationships. That's by his power, not our power, but by his power. And third, see the provision, the provision of Christ. He will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And it's not just monetary needs. He will provide that need that you have that's unspoken, that you haven't shared with anyone. The love that you really want to feel, the desire that you have to be in real relationship and genuine relationship with people, he will give you that. He has provided all those things. The compassion of Christ, the power of Christ, and the provision of Christ. And, and God in his, in his awesomeness, he's, he's, he's the type of businessman where when he does transactions, it always works in his favor, but it's for our best interest. So what he does is he takes our fear and gives us peace. He takes our anxiousness and he gives us love. The, the scriptures say, they says, he who keeps his mind stayed on me, this is Jesus, will have perfect peace. And then another passage in the New Testament, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with much prayer and supplication. Make your request known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It was no reason for me on that bus to have peace. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a car. You know, let's be honest, sometimes the characters on a bus aren't exactly the ones who you would want to greet all the time, okay? But the peace of God is what he called me to. Because at that point, then I'm able to recognize his compassion. My desire for us today is to recognize the compassion, the power, and the provision of Christ. And allow our fear and our anxiety that the pressures of society or even our own self-afflictions would try to come during the season to dissolve and for us to take security in Christ, take refuge in Christ. The ultimate example of compassion, power, and provision is in the cross, the compassion of Christ. When he was on a cross, still, he, this baffles me. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus, in the middle of his pain, in the middle of all the hurt, and we think we've experienced pain and hurt, you know, and, and all the issues that we have in life, but Jesus, in, in the middle of all of that, still said, Father, forgive them because they don't really know what's going on. They don't know what's happening. And he gave his life. He laid down his life, the compassion, the power. He resurrected. Amen? He's a living Savior. He's a living King. And a provision. What did he give? He gave us eternal life. My prayer, it's simple prayer, a simple message this morning is for us to recognize and be compassionate to the world allow the power of Christ that he displayed on the cross and through other instances that we learned in the lessons of the low and the provision. The provision. Know that God has already provided for us. His bow our heads. Father, we thank you and we praise you. This season could be difficult for some. This season could be rough. But because we have you, we recognize that although it could be rough and it could be tough, you make all things well. You make all things good. 
And so we accept your compassion towards us first. We recognize that you're concerned about us, the good, the bad, and the uglies. We thank you for being compassionate towards us. And because you are compassionate towards us, you call us to be compassionate towards others. And so may that compassion overflow to our friends, to our family, to our coworkers, to our neighbors. And then next, the power that you displayed in the lesson of the loaves. You took a little bit, only two fish and five loaves, and you fed 8,000, God. You show us continually how you'll take our little bit and make it something big. May that same power be displayed in our lives. And thirdly, your provision. I pray for every person in here, for every need, for every desire, for every want. I pray that they will recognize that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And you don't do it in ways that we see. You don't do it according to how we think. You do it according to what you know we need in our lives. And so we are thankful because you supply and you give us, you know us better than we know ourselves. And so you know what we really need. Even though we might desire some things, you know what we really need. And so we're grateful this morning that you would give us that reminder that you're compassionate, that you have the power, and that you will provide. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.